the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. And you're listening to Live from the Path. We're coming to you from the uh, Pathway Studios here in Johnson proper. Uh, it's very good to be with you this evening. And I'm pretty excited because we got legit folk in, uh, on the interview chain, Mike. I've, I've met legit folk in my day, and this certainly qualifies. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's what I was pretty excited about. So let me tell you what's going to go on the show uh, this evening. So we're going to talk to Matthew Loftus. And if you guys remember from... Uh, I don't know, it's got to be three months back. We, we've been trying to go through how does good news change the world. And so we, we had talked to uh, to Robbie and Aaron from oh, – why do I always forget the name of the ministry, Mike? It's uh, Discover Hope. Yeah, Discover Hope, right? So like they were working on um, – talking about drug addiction and stuff in Newton um, and, and, and just talking through like what does it look like? How does the good news actually tangibly change the world? Because I believe it does both in a very broad and awesome spiritual sense but then in, in a hands and feet tangible sense in our current world. Um, we think that's true. So we had talked to kind of Robbie and Aaron, um, and we've had a number of different conversations around how good news changes the world. And one of the things we t- we wanted to explore was the notion of healthcare. And when we were talking about it at the time, um, you know, kind of ebbs and flows on how uh, people talk about it or how it's in the news. But like, um, it was a big deal, and I think it will remain a big deal um, in in our political landscape. And so we we wanted to try to get an angle on how does good news change the world. Um, when it comes to healthcare, and I came across an article on Mere Orthodoxy written by Matthew, um, and I felt like it was a very important perspective or piece of a conversation um, and a discussion that I feel like we can we can have that's got some um, inertia to it, um, that it doesn't feel like we're just kind of calling out into left field, complaining about costs of things or impacts of things or the uh, the lack of justice in things, and 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 it, it felt very very tangible to me. Uh, and it, 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 frankly, I read it and it felt like good news. It, it felt like there there was a, there was something happening, um, or there was opportunity out there for for people who wanted to express the love they have for the world and the love Christ has for the world. And so that's why I wanted to hook up with Matthew. So we're going to talk to him. We're going to get to know him a little bit um, and have him kind of walk through uh, some of the thoughts that were in that article, and then you know uh, other things that are kind of peripheral to that. Um, and then Mike, we got some uh, we got some advice on dear life in the past. Yeah, I'm sure we do, Ben. Okay, very good. And th- th- if we get to it, if we have time. Um, we skipped an article when we were talking with Crystal Joy last week um, that was around uh, ladies and cheating. Yeah. And it was and like the, the the changing the differing reasons for ladies uh, that that women are giving for um, stepping outside of their marriage and the, the nuances that were were crafted with some of these reasoning. I just thought were extremely interesting. It's worth trying to understand like where does that stuff come from um, and how does that change how we how we understand those types of relationships and how people are reacting to marriage in general. So. Um, if we get to that, we'll do it. If not, uh, it'll push another week. Yeah, it remains. I feel like it remains a problem. It, it will abide. <laughs> okay, so let's um, let, let's let's touch base with Matthew. So on the line, we've got uh, Matthew Loftus, and um, Matthew, I will just um, I'll give you the chance to introduce yourself because I think you'll do it better than I would. Um, but you find yourself as a uh, you're a doctor, and you are currently in East Africa. How does a what does a road to to Africa look like uh, for a Matthew Loftus? Uh yeah, well thanks guys for having me on. Sure. Um it's an honor. Um the uh I mean my road I guess uh looks like a lot of <laughs> doctors who end up in Africa. <laughs> um I grew up outside of Baltimore and I um 
uh, I was homeschooled. I um, went to college and uh, I started going on some short-term um, summer trips um, with my church when I was um, a teenager. And while uh, I was in Kenya, uh, when I was 17, I felt called to long-term cross-cultural missions. Um, and so uh, since then, that call has just kind of been refined and as I've gone along in the steps. So, um, you know, I went to college and um, felt like medicine would be the best way to um, sort of use the talents I had to serve God. And then the next step after that um, was realizing that there is a huge need for medical education um, in missions, not just going and doing, but teaching others how to do it. And then the next um, step was, you know, four years of medical school, three years of family medicine residency, and the whole time starting to look at different organizations and um, eventually start visiting um, places to work and raise support, um, got over there. Um, we went to South Sudan um, for about a year, and uh, we were planning to stay much longer, um, but unfortunately the security situation there deteriorated so we came back home um, for a little bit, had a baby, and then I uh, went back. And uh, now I'm uh, getting uh, prepared to join the faculty um, of a university here um, to help uh, be a part of their uh, family medicine residency program um, here in Kenya. So um, I'm very excited about that. Yeah, congratulations! That's that's a cool uh, that's a cool opportunity. Yeah. I'm excited. So, so you talked about having a having a baby. So, what's the um, mm-hmm. um, w- that that winding road led to to uh, marriages and, and children along the way? How has that been? Kind of doing what you've been doing, um, and and having your family be part of that. Um, it's been great. I mean, I obviously um, my my kids are great. They're loud and wild, but they're great. <laughs> um, so was I when I was their age, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, there have been challenges with it along the way. Like um, when things started falling apart in South Sudan, um, they had to leave the country. You know, I had to send them out of the country, um, and I had to stay back to keep the hospital running. Um, but, uh, you know, I think in some ways it makes it, you know, having kids around has always made it easier for me to have conversations with people, um, you know, just because kids are generally a bit more gregarious. Right. Um, and people are more gregarious towards children. So um, for me, naturally shy, especially with, you know, people from other cultures. And so having the kids around is a great way to just start conversations with people and connect with people. And it certainly has made me um, a more humble doctor um, to have children to deal with and <laughs> right. understand why people, uh, you know, bring their kids in for things that I didn't understand back when I didn't have kids. So Right. So Matthew, I have a question for you. Are there do they do yeah. they look at doctors the same in that culture as 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 we would? Um, I mean, it's uh, there are some similarities. So you know, certainly doctors are kind of tend to be well paid and high status in society, um, but uh, generally throughout East Africa, as far as I you know, in all the places I've seen. Um, there's uh, a certain degree of trust in um, in biomedical Western medicine, um, but 
sometimes, but especially the more rural you get and the more traditional people are, um, they're more likely to try uh, traditional methods of healing or um, kind of local lore um, before they'll come to a biomedical provider. Um, Have you ever been surprised by local lore as being uh, actually a pretty good deal? Um, I mean, a lot of times people are people are uh, afraid to share sure. <laughs> what they've done already, <laughs> what they've tried already, because they, you know, they 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 think you will write them off if they do. So, unfortunately, I haven't gotten really an opportunity to. Um, to like hear the details of of what people like a dragon's tooth and whatnot. Do. Bummer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I suspect that there's probably some some things that work very very well, um, and others that don't. Right. What, what would yeah. you say? Um, or in what way, uh, if any, would you say um, doing medicine in 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 Sudan and kind of the in, in the African context has that? Do you feel like that's changed how you look at? Um, how you look at medicine at all? Do you think that's influenced how you, um, I don't know, how you think about um, healthcare in general? Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's interesting because I, you know, I obviously trained in the West in a very rigorous scientific um, milieu where it, it's where spiritual causes of things and um, are assumed to just simply not exist. And right. Spirituality is generally thought of as kind of this nice add-on. Um, you know, if, if that's something you have the time to do and address with your patients, that's nice. If they want it, if you're open to it, um, but it's not really relevant to why people are sick. Right. Um, and But here in Africa, that's not the case at all. Um, most people, even if they are you know, basically, I mean, you'd have to be an out-and-out atheist here, which there aren't very many, right? To assume that spiritual that spiritual forces um, have nothing to do with why people get sick or get better, um, and you know, on top of that, like the way that your spiritual out spirituality affects um, your life and the life of people in your family and your body, um, it's it's just very different. And so, even though some of that I think, you know, I still don't think it's very appropriate. Like, you know, oftentimes, you know, if, if a mom here is having a, a difficult labor, um, having her baby, they assume that, you know, she must have done something wrong or she's holding a grudge against somebody. And, like Job style. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that can, that can definitely be part of it. Um, but I think in general, it's probably better to, work from the understanding that there are spiritual forces out there that they can affect us and they can affect our bodies. And I mean, I think we all, you know, even, you know, even though those of us who believe in germ theory and, um, you know, have, can try to find a scientific basis for everything, recognize that health is, you know, that members of the community, um, by their decisions can affect the health of other people in the community, like secondhand smoke right. or pollution or, um, you know, stress, right. all of those things are, are, you know, those are words that we use to try to get a handle on the really big ways in which, um, people can affect each other's health. 
in relationships with one another. So that brings up um, what I thought was an interesting premise um, when, when I was reading your article. Um, one of the things that you said that there are there are deeper philosophical issues when we talked about um, health, and you had said we can't agree um, what healthcare is for, what its goals are, because we don't think about um, what health is or what it means. Um, and you kind of mm-hmm. in, in, further in that paragraph said so we take a very scientifically reductionist approach to what health is which means we reduce mm-hmm. indicators of health to things we can measure and sell a pill for. And so can you expand on that a little bit? Because I think you touched on kind of um, how th- that we may be limiting our understanding of health, either either communally or it's only a specific thing about our bodies, but it's a much broader concept than that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think health is um, – uh, I think health is stewardship of our bodies, Um and and making the most of what we have, what what we have been given, um, you know, I we have to start with, I think what we have been given. Um, our bodies are are uh, a, gi- a gift from God, um, and sometimes the you know the gift looks different. Um, in many cases, especially the older you get, um, the more pieces and parts of the gift are not working the way that they should and you know but even there are people who are born um with um different disabilities or diseases and um you know so health is is stewarding what you have um so that way you can glorify and and worship god in the body that you have and then um from from there i think we we think about um, not just our bodies, but the world around us and our time and thinking about, okay, how, how do we use what we have, um, to, uh, make the most of what we've been given? Um, you know, which involves, um, eating good food, um, that's good for our bodies and exercise and spending time outside and, you know, being with other people. Um, you know, there's, very, you know, very clear evidence that um, all of these things that um, are incredibly difficult to measure, like um, uh, one's degree of social support and participation in communal activities and uh, dancing and exercising and all that good stuff, like all of that affects um, our health and our bodies and lowers our blood pressure and um, that kind of stuff. So, so the, uh, you know, so one of the yeah, risks, so that, so, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, so I was going to, so, so is one of the risks yeah. that we run, um, especially from a, from a Western cultural perspective where, mm-hmm. um, we seem to have, um, well, let me ask this a different way. Is, is one of the risks, mm-hmm. risks that we run, um, is that because we've so narrowly defined what healthcare is, um, and we've ignored, uh, and actually I think your, your article gets to this, is, is because we've so narrowly defined what healthcare is, um, we've put our concept of health into the hands, um, or largely abdicated responsibility, both kind of, often personally, but certainly communally, over to that niche understanding of healthcare of which only professionals play. Um, and so it, it kind of it takes away any of our, um, any of our agency or, I don't want to oversay on responsibility, but like it just seems like oh we don't have as much control over some of those things as, as maybe we possibly do if we were to think about healthcare differently. Would that be correct? Oh yeah, yes, no, that's that's absolutely true. 
Um, I think that, um, you know, we, uh, we, we think of healthcare in terms of what we can measure. So blood pressure, blood sugar, um, weight, uh, all of these things. If, you know, and even if we try to get into, uh, things like mental health, you know, we, we still focus on, okay, so what are the symptoms that I, I can like measure and follow, you know, uh, the, what are the things for which we have, um, a pill? Right. Um, and if the pill doesn't work, well, what, what else is going on? Um, and, and that sense of abdicating responsibility, I think, you know, part of it was, uh, allopathic medicine, you know, earlier on in the 20th century, gaining a lot of power over things that it, humans didn't have power for. Right. Um, and, you know, so it's it's really great that we have penicillin and chemotherapy and all those things. But um, the the things that can get better with penicillin and chemotherapy and antidepressants, like that's still just a much smaller sliver than um, of life than what we can do for ourselves. And um, and so I, I think we we do have to. Um, kind of push back against that and say, what, what can I do for my health? What can I do for the health of the people in my community around me? And, um, you know, sort of let doctors and, and nurses do what they're good at doing, um, which is dealing with, you know, the, the things that we do have pills for. Um, but then, but not, you know, but just remembering that there's a, a much larger piece of the pie um, that doctors and nurses are not very good at. <laughs> that, that's interesting. Um, it, Do you and, think we yeah. gravitate mm-hmm. towards that because it's an because there's um there seems like a tangible answer there. So like if I have um mm-hmm. uh, let's be real basic. Let's say I have a headache. Yeah. Um, I know. Uh-huh. I know that Tylenol or something will otherwise help with my headache. The core issue may be mm-hmm. because I've been sleeping poorly and eating poorly. That's mm-hmm. why I'm sleeping poorly. Um, but like, right. there, that's very, that's harder, harder to grasp and it's longer to take care of. But like, I gravitate mm-hmm. towards a definitive answer. And so is, mm-hmm. is, is some of that, um, uh, a, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the right way to word this. Is some of that a, a cultural desire um, like something that undergirds all that that's, that says we just we want we like the fact that it's an answer. Any the unknown scares us, and so because medicine has answers, even if they're not always the right answers, and even if we kind of bundle a bunch of stuff into the bucket that isn't actually mm-hmm. the, the right solution, because it is an answer, mm-hmm. we like it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a huge part of it—not just an answer, but also control. Um, that that we obsess over the things that we we can control even though in the end they may or may not actually affect it. So diabetes is a really great example Mm -hmm. because we can, uh, you know, we can to some degree control blood sugar and we obsess about that number because it's a number that we can measure. Um, where, and you know, within sort of a, the, the more evidence that we accumulate about diabetes, the more that we find <clears throat> that um, sort of once you're in uh, a fairly broad window of blood sugar control, um, it it really doesn't matter how much more you control it um, to a certain degree. Okay. Um, 
you know, and it's, you know, there are other numbers that we can, we control a little more easily that seem to affect things more like blood pressure. Um, you know, but, uh, having diabetes is a pretty life altering event. Right. Um, and maintaining your body in a healthy way, um, is about way more than, than just controlling your blood sugar or even controlling your weight and your blood pressure. Like, um, you know, cause if you have great blood sugar, um, but you're miserable all the time, um, because you can't eat anything <laughs> that you like, right. um, and you're, you know, and you don't even know what, what to eat, um, you know, that, you know, that, that's not, I think, stewarding health, um, that's sort of, it's just kind of juking the numbers. Right. So, um, yeah, so it's, and, and people get very, very afraid when, and really despondent sometimes, I think, when, when it, when they have things that they can't control, um, or things that they, they can't cure. And certainly a lot of our, um, you know, a lot of our toughest cases are, you know, in, in medicine is when we feel like there's something, um, you know, there's some illness even, you know, maybe like diabetes that could be controlled a little bit better with medicines, but, you know, a person's family or job or just other life circumstances, their mental illness, um, what's going on in their neighborhood, there's all like prevent a person from exercising control over their health. Um, and you know, doctors feel really powerless and they get frustrated and grumpy. Right, right. No, I think that's, I think that's understandable. So, so it's, it sounds like then that there's, there's a couple of things kind of at play. Well, I mean, there's a million things at play here, but I'm going to overly refine the problem. Um, yeah. is it, there's a broader, we need a broader perspective on how we understand health in general. Um, mm-hmm. but then, and your article gets to this a bit, I think, is a broader sense of responsibility for our health as a, as a nation. And I think this something, mm-hmm. is something that is put in, um, in starker relief simply because of, uh, once you have, um, the, the freedom to make choices, and we have such like a strong, you know, growth of an individual thing that undergirds mm-hmm. the, the story of, of America as a nation. Um, mm-hmm. but, but I, I suppose the risk we, we run is that the, the harder we fight for, the the right or the freedom to kind of make our own choices in spite of the impact or or maybe in neglect of the impact of our broad community um, mm-hmm. over actually using that freedom per se to influence the broad community like what does that say about mm-hmm. our notion of um of of the freedom that we have right that that doesn't ask to, doesn't really say something yeah. positive about us mm-hmm. and so. So that's a that's a it's the same basic premise. So I suppose it's saying that that there are um, there's a broader outlook on our individual health to understanding um, the various things that make up personal health, and then you have a broader outlook of um, what do we value as a society. And you called it um, is looking at, at not health as a right, but as a as a social good. And so what does that mm-hmm. um, what does that mean? I guess communally, if we reorient the thinking of of health care. Um, as a social good versus the, the argument as to whether it's a, an actual right or not. Yeah, I think when you think about healthcare as a social good, um, then you, then that really opens the conversation for thinking about, um, 
number one, uh, how do all the ways that we relate to one another, um, may, you know, help, help each other to be healthy or not? Um, you know, like you just think about sort of, uh, our, our built environment. So our neighborhoods and streets, you know, are we, are we designing the places in which we live? So that way we can get as quickly between them as possible in cars? Or are we building them so that way we can, you know, walk from one place to another, uh, and interact with each other as we do? Um, as well as, you know, not having these, uh, risky streets where people who do walk or ride their bikes are more likely to get hit by cars. Um, uh, and, you know, and then I think it also, um, you know, in the, uh, you know, beyond that, how do we orient our lives? Um, do we have neighborhoods with porches, um, where we can sit out and talk to one another? Do we interact, you know, are, are we creating a world in which we interact with each other and, and look out for our neighbors? Um, do we assume that if somebody is, you know, one of our, someone, you know, in physical proximity to us, one of our neighbors is in trouble with health that someone else will, will deal with that, like the government? Or are there, you know, things that even the best government with a single payer healthcare system can't necessarily do? And, you know, we as neighbors need to be looking after that person or, um, someone in our family. Um, and then that kind of gets to how we pay for it all. Um, which is obviously a very contentious topic. Sure. Um, yeah, I would, I would argue, first of all, that if we, uh, take care, you know, that, it, that if we actually, like, met our basic neighborly responsibilities to each other and changed the way that we built, you know, our cities and neighborhoods and things like that, and were, like, caring for each other in these very intangible ways, um, in the, in the way that we ought, and, like, that would probably make the whole enterprise a bit cheaper, um, because right now we spend so much money sort of chasing after, um, things that aren't, um, that could have been prevented, um, through better preventive care, and, um, you know, are the results of people feel, you know, people who, you know, have all this individual freedom, um, and use it to put garbage in their bodies or they just, you know, or, or they just feel lonely and, um, you know, loneliness is, is, is deadly. Um, we're finding out more and more. So, so that's the first element, but then also, you know, we would, we would feel a certain degree of, um, uh, desire to see, um, you know, to, to have things paid for in a way that kind of irons out um, some of the some of the wrinkles and inequalities um, that we have right now. You know, right now our our, our current um, system of healthcare payment is just so Byzantine. We spend four times as much on paperwork in the U.S. Um, as they do in Canada. Um, it's because we have so many different players and uh, a completely opaque system for how the prices of things get decided. And so if we, you know, if we, if we work on those things, um, I think we'll, um, you know, we'd be, uh, better suited 
to, um, you know, to, to all be paying in as much as we can and everybody getting more value for what they do, um, pay in and, and sharing the responsibility of the, of the costs so that, you know, people who, who are, who are genuinely in need, um, you know, don't fall by the wayside for lack of payment. Um, you know, and, and those who have been blessed with extra, you know, are able to contribute for those people. So, uh, okay, there's, you're right, there's a lot of things in there. So let's, let's start yeah. with, um, uh, so, so I think the traditional rejoinder to the thought, um, uh, of people falling to the, to the cracks, right? Mm-hmm. It, do, do you feel like, um, is, is that happening more on the preventative care side? Cause like, I mean, generally folks would say, you know, it's like people aren't being denied care at the emergency room. Um, right. Like, so you can walk into an emergency room, um, but but I'm I'm guessing there's there, there's a, a bigger nuance to people falling through the cracks, either preventative care or like long major care that is long term and sustaining. Are, are those the two gap points? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the. I would say, um, yeah, the, those are the two big gap points. I mean, I, I would say that preventive. At some point, you know, there's not a a clear distinction between preventive care and long-term care for chronic problems. Right. Um, you know, like there's, you know, uh, there, you know, there's, there's the simple straightforward and, and really tragic cases. Like, you know, someone doesn't get a mammogram and, you know, once they turn 50 and then five years later, they, they get a breast cancer that could have been detected um, and, you know, that does happen all the time. Um, and, that, you know, that's that seems particularly cruel and unjust. <clears throat> but then on the chronic care side, it's, uh, you know, someone uh, doesn't have insurance, so they don't see a doctor. They have this, uh, you know, this thing that's bothering them and, you know, kind of goes on and on and on. And then it gets really bad. They decide to go to the emergency room. They find out that it's, you know, if it had been... If they'd gone, actually gone to a doctor five years ago, it, they could have um, gotten it treated and managed um, and and dealt with, and it wouldn't have caused the problems that they're in now. Um, you know, but now they're at a point where you know maybe their blood pressure has been so high that their kidneys are having problems, and because their kidneys are having problems, they um, you know start having heart issues, and um, then they can't work as well, and you know, so on and so forth. And so, um, that's, that's a very, uh, messy and difficult place, um, to work because, you know, sometimes, you know, oftentimes people do sort of, um, you know, depending on their life circumstances or how much money they have or whether or not they have a job, they kind of dip in and out of care, um, which sort of allows them to, <clears throat> sort of know that there might be a problem um, but not have a relationship with a healthcare provider that allows them to um, manage it appropriately. Um, and my experience in the healthcare system is is that um, that's where people are falling through the cracks the most um, is is in the, the management of long-term chronic health issues um, that, you know, need a certain amount of care and attention and medication. Okay. Okay. That, so, so let's look at the other thing that you talked about. Then is when we look at um, communities and mm-hmm. uh, kind of kind of the long term 
um, well, it, it, it's broader health perspective, but it's also kind of lowering lowering the distance between uh, a person who needs help and then um, being able to see um, a, a doctor. Um, one of the one mm-hmm. things you kind of touched on was, you know, can we can we widen the scope of who people seek care from and the types of care that they're getting, so doctors can focus on things that they're specially trained to do. Um, but yeah. because because we have um, doctors up on a uh, I'm going to use the phrase, but I'm not going. It's not exactly what I mean. Up on a pedestal to the extent that like only they can deal with this. Um, They're a rent-seeking cabal. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, if, if that is the so if so, what what options do, do we have? Because I think this kind of wades into the tangible area where, like, if I say I, I may not, I want to try my best to influence how our our mm-hmm. government does A or B. Um, yeah, and and like there's concerns. I, I think I think I mutually fall on concerns on both sides of of the discussion uh, about how mm-hmm. things are managed and you know how you go about doing things. Those are reasonable people who love people can have good discussions about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but the, the question I suppose remains: um, are, are the things that we can do tangibly as members of community um, to to positively impact those types of things so that they don't fall through the cracks? Um, and, and so we can actually start making a difference from the bottom up. Yeah, um, absolutely. And um, so you know, and and I think a lot of that is about um, uh, deconcentrating the power that doctors and hospitals have, um, because there are a lot of you know there are things that you can measure, like for example, blood pressure, um, and there's um, a lot of great evidence that. Um, church-based blood pressure screening and um, cardiovascular management programs. There's one called Project Joy in Baltimore that's been fairly well studied. Um, You know, that those um, are great at improving health outcomes. Um, And then another another great program in Baltimore uh, is uh, uh, out of Johns Hopkins Bayview. And um, it's a community program where they have um, doctors and uh, nurses in the hospital teaching um, members of the community, um, usually sort of respected members of churches, um, about basic health concepts um, that allows them to um, educate their own communities about um, different health issues, uh, screen for things like blood pressure, blood sugar, um, and then sort of direct people into the healthcare system as needed. Um, now, I also think that on top of that, we can advocate for um, community health workers and um, nurse practitioners and other kind of parish nurses, other lower, you know, not, not as extensively trained health professionals um, to deal with stuff um, because there's a lot of um, very simple, straightforward stuff that um, fill up doctors' offices, but you know, you really don't need a medical degree um, to treat them. You know, and if things get more complicated, yeah, you can kick it up to a higher level. But I think that if you give people um, in communities who have a little bit of training um, more power, um, you know, they're they're sort of they're living closer to the community level than a lot of doctors are. Um, although I also think doctors should be living close to the community level, but that's another discussion. <laughs> right. And, um, uh, you know, when, when you have, when you don't have as much that power concentrated, 
um, in the hospital and the doctor's office and with these highly paid, you know, professionals, then, you know, then I think, um, you have people in the community going, oh, this is actually a lot more accessible and tangible to me because, you know, here's someone who, who went to high school with me, who, you know, has gone to my church that knows these things and, um, you know, it's, it's not this, um, intense, discussion with you know someone who has 12 more years of school with me but like you know someone who who i can relate to that's talking to me about this stuff and hey maybe i do actually have a little more power about this uh over this than than i thought so i i imagine that one of the core barriers to that is a sense of of fear um mm-hmm. taking responsibility in some way or another as with someone's health um, by mm-hmm. saying, hey, you know, let me listen. No, maybe you don't need to go to a health professional. And recognizing that, that like, you know, even um, even the doctors can't get it right all the time, right? They're going to miss something. Something's oh, yeah. going to occur. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I, I imagine there's a sense of fear among lay folks to even take responsibility from that type of training. Okay, so to, to be fair, I'm one of the lay folks, yeah. right? Like, so, so when he was talking earlier about um, – you know, the guy that should have shown up, if you'd have shown up five years ago, we'd have caught this thing and your blood pressure wouldn't be so out of whack or whatever. And like, yeah. I'm that guy. I'm the guy that shows up five years later than he probably should have been in there. And then they're like, hey, man, if you'd have stepped in here at any reasonable amount of time, we'd have gotten this taken care of. And the same thing would occur to me as going to somebody that is not a doctor. I'd be like, I know they only tell you so much. Otherwise, you'd be a legit doctor, which means that you're only going <laughs> to diagnose within the information that you have. And so it would make mm-hmm. me think that like, if I have some kind of weird disease that only house could diagnose, uh, this dude at the community center ain't going to know it. <laughs> you know, he's going to be like, you might have bone cancer, but I'm not sure. You're going to have to go somewhere else. You know. So, so maybe the question from that is, is that on? Is that fear unfounded? Um, I mean, uh, obviously, any. You know, well, uh, <laughs> I gave I such a solid example, Matthew. <laughs> so, so there's, uh, you know, there's, I, I mean, uh, you know, any time that you sort of decentralize the power. Um, I mean, usually we worry about the fear from the other side that the doctors are, you know, going to not get paid as well and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I'm not worried about uh, that in the least. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, you know, there, you know, there's a chance that people will miss something, but on the other hand, like, um, you know, people find that, you know, they've, they've done studies that show, um, that, that doctors are, uh, incredibly bad at reading evidence, and um, there's certain um, certain treatments and things that um, you know that there's a, a pretty well established protocol for, mm-hmm. and um, you know, like the if you don't follow the protocol, then you tend to do more harm to patients because you you do tests that they don't need, you give them medications that they that they don't need. Um, you know, you end up getting, you know, doctors are, think they're smart enough that they can outthink the protocol. Mm-hmm. And so they, um, you know, they, they guess at things and, um, you know, it ends up being more expensive and harmful in the, uh, end. So hopefully we can, we can also cut off some of that. That's a good thought. Um, like, I, w- I wonder how much of our, um, uh, how much of our medical cost and, po- and probably tagged as waste comes from, um, uh, the, kind of the specter of something being worse, right? Like I need to, I'm going to do oh, yeah. four tests instead of one because it could mm-hmm. be this one thing. And I either, 
either don't want to get sued because I missed it, or the person is very afraid of it, and so to provide to calm them down, I will do extra tests to make them feel better. And so not only like fear on the doctor's part, fear on the patient's part, like fear kind of drives um, a, a, maybe a lot of excess medical work, which then otherwise transplants down to me as a guy who said, oh, well, maybe I could be that. Maybe I could help people and know a little bit about it, but I'm so afraid that you're going to miss something big. But like that, per- mm-hmm. that permeates the, the, the kind of the medical culture even beyond the, that level of thought, right? Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and I think sort of, um, just finishing up the, the earlier question Sorry. that, that I think, um, you know, when, when people, I think when people in the community see that they, um, you sort of see it in action of someone going to say a community health worker and getting something managed and saying, Oh, Oh, so I don't have to go to the doctor for that. Well, that's simple. Or, you know, Oh, well, there's my neighbor and he went to the community health worker and the community health worker said, Oh, well you have this problem. And, uh, this is beyond what I can take care of. So why don't you go to the doctor? And then they went to the doctor and got it addressed in a timely fashion. I, I think that that will, kind of decrease that fear um, while also making um, the first point of contact with the healthcare system, as it were, uh, much uh, much less stressful and, and more accessible. Right, right. And I suppose it's able to, like, so as I was, as I was thinking through this, because it was one of the options, the things you mentioned in the article, is, is there's a number of things that make it more nimble than um, the, the medical system, right? No, like everyone has this, you know, even, even you try to schedule an appointment and you're like, they can't see me for X number of days and we're outraged. Unless, and that's so people go to the emergency room. We keep stacking up the emergency room with people because we can't wait. But like, um, it's, we just don't have, the more things are spread out, the more communal they are, the more you got, you know, 30 bodies on a potential area instead of three. Uh, you know, things mm-hmm. can move a little bit quicker. You can triage faster. You can just get stuff kind of separated out into the, into the buckets of kind of the levels of care and the costs that are associated and kind of know, know where things, resources are going, whether it be money, time, medicine, whatever. Um, yeah. And so, um, and, and, and you're right. I, I think the only way to change that is to, is, is it has to happen. I don't think you can, I don't think there's enough you know, propagandizing or education to try to convince people that they don't need to be afraid. Fear is kind of pernicious like that. Like they have to see oh, right. yeah. that it's, that there's nothing to be afraid of. And I think the only way to do that is kind of persist in doing it until people kind of see the difference. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, so now why can't you take that same concept and then place it in the, in the, in the, the structure that we have, right? Like the, it's the community part that creeps me out, right? Like the, the same guy that can't seem to understand that the, that the license plate renewal sticker goes on top of the last one and he makes a border <laughs> around the whole. Like, he's the guy I'm going to go to and be like, Frank, you can't even get the license plate thing right, and now you're deciding whether I should go to the doctor or not. It's hard for me to get used Here's, to that. Yeah, but you don't know that your doctor's not doing that same thing. Nah, that's true. He could be the same dude. <laughs> he could be. He could be. Man, I, yeah, no, I, I have never been to talk there. Um, <laughs> Wait, do you do that? <laughs> No, okay. No, no, I don't do that. Okay. That thing specifically, but but uh, you know, plenty of other things. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. So, um, so, so anyway, I think that like that feels real tangible to me, though. It's something that churches can do um, is trying to find ways to be able to serve folks 
and not not only just like hey we're going to have a health fair or something but i mean like you be committing to being that that for the community a place where um we will host these things we will continue to funnel people from our church through some sort of education program that says that 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 knows these things i don't know how many times i've told my wife like i just feel so inept i feel like you could take you know uh, a, 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 you took three months to change your life to learn basic things so that you could help people for the next 60 years and basically know the difference, right? Know that you just don't freak out because yeah. someone's got a red thing. Say, look, I've I, I've seen uh, what's the round? What's the round? Ringworm, right? One of the kids got ringworm, and I don't freak out about it. It's like, oh yeah, it's just ringworm. Um, you know, yeah. something like that. Well, plus, I mean, can you imagine the number of people that that are actually in the they they go to the doctor merely for attention? I mean, this is what God's people are designed for anyway, right? right? We can shoulder that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so. So I suppose absolutely. So, so that feels that feels like something that um for, for let me I'll say this I guess so like if we look at the broad conversations that go about healthcare um to a certain extent we can start separating wheat from chaff right now everything's in the bucket right the the person who just yeah. wants to talk to somebody um the person who goes to mm-hmm. the emergency room because they have no no concept of con- continuative care um e- even the folks who uh, and one of the things i was thinking about about doing this on a on a communal or a church level with kind of the various tiers of of educated folk um is that like you're not going to be able to stop a con- um to to immediately change the consumer culture that says i actually don't want kind of your long term maintenance things i don't really want to eat differently uh, I just want you to give me something to make the headache go away, and so I don't feel bloated. Like I just don't want to eat. The, I want to keep eating the Philly sandwich. So like that guy is going to continue to be a problem um, because he's not right. buy, he's not buying into the concept, right? He's not buying into long term benefit. He he's actually consuming health products, and your committed community of folks is not going to be help be able to help deliver that to him because he doesn't want good advice. He just wants to cover up his life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I would. I would argue that that if that attitude is going to change, it is far less likely to change in you know fifteen minute intervals, at, you know, in a fifteen minute office visit at the doctor's um, in every three months, as opposed to a you know every other week at church kind of environment. You know? Oh, sure. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's the best of your opportunity. Yeah. Right, but like, yeah. I, I think there yeah. is, I think there is still like we've got we've got boxes on the side of the cigarettes that say "Don't smoke this or you'll die," and we continue to do that. <laughs> and like, right, so right, it's, right. some of it's yeah. like chemical habitual. I get some of that, right? But like, mm-hmm. some people will just make choices because yeah. they want to do it. And like, mm-hmm. but, but but so, yeah. but the, the broad point of bringing that up was to say though, like that that's understanding that that is the case for some folks, but not all. And there's ways to influence that. That's that's kind of wheat chaff yeah. stuff. It, it helps us understand what's really on the table, what's really costing money, what our resources and time are going to. Everything, mm-hmm. like I said, right now is kind of just in this one bucket, and we we couldn't even tell the difference because we're looking for the medical field to solve all the problems, like and doctors mm-hmm. to solve problems that other people probably could. Um, which I think you're right. right. Like exactly. the, the 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 cost of those things starts to look different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, I want to put a plug in here for a book uh, by Dr. Daniel Hale. Unfortunately, it's a little tricky to find um, sometimes, but it's called Building um, Medical Religious Partnerships, and um, it's uh, it, it's just a great has a lot of step by steps for 
various, you know, for, for heart health, for, um, you know, helping the elderly, um, with, um, some of, you know, their more common health problems. Um, just really fantastic, um, book that just kind of lays out all the principles and then, um, has a lot of different suggestions and examples for how churches can do that. That sounds pretty cool. Hey, your background, by the way, switched from, from crickets to birds. Did you notice that, Mike? Uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm outside, so I don't wake up my children. Oh, um, <laughs> while we're talking. So, oh, right um, on. And the 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 sun is coming up, and the birds are starting to sing, and it's it's very beautiful. Um. <laughs> it always is. That, that's uh yeah, but shoot, I didn't even I did I'm I'm completely selfish. I didn't even consider what time of morning it was for you. That's awful. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Matthew. <laughs> Oh, it's 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 no worries. It's it's every time you know when I'm over here and I do a podcast. It's it's uh, you know it's always what I what I have to do. It's just what it is usually. Yeah. Here's the thing: is I thought about it, but the guy at the community center said it wouldn't be a big deal, <laughs> and to go ahead and call him as early as you want. <laughs> yeah. What um so like what um I'm try- I was thinking about the back to the kind of community aspect, churches and stuff. Um, uh huh. Uh, this is this might be too far in, in in the weeds on this thing, but like, are there? Um, you 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 touched on this in your article. Sorry, I've got like ten premises to this question, and it has to do again with liability, right? This notion of fear, um, and, and people kind of standing in that position, taking on the responsibility. Mm-hmm. Do do we find that that people who are doing this type of thing? Like, are they having to insure themselves, or like, is that is that, or, or is it uh, just a thing we're afraid of, but something that's not really happening? Um, I mean, generally, uh, you, we, we worked through this a little bit at my church where we set up like a counseling center. Yeah. Um, and a lot of churches already carry, you know, the, the same sort of insurance that if some, you know, someone slips and falls in church foyer and bangs their head and, you know, do, what happens? Can they sue the church? Like a lot of times you, the insurance they already cover, they already carry will, um, cover these sorts of general things um getting into the more difficult and advanced you know like managing hypertension for example um legally we're, we're just not there yet yeah um, again because of the 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 doctor and pharmacist cartel um but uh you know i i think that as those you know if if we can change those systems and kind of break up that monopoly um, then I think then we can have uh, systems for dealing with those sorts of liabilities as well. Um, but right now, um, for the vast majority of things that churches are able to do, um, they are you know they can either sort of add a rider with their insurance or it's already covered. If they have you know if, if they have a building of their own, a space of their own, gotcha. then yeah, gotcha. So l- let me ask you this: yeah. What is do do you have do you think there's any way – is it enough to change it from the ground up, right? Like is it possible in your mind that if, if enough people kind of to, to commit to this, this, this type of thinking and orient mm-hmm. churches and communities and things, like even if nothing happens from a governmental perspective, is it possible to – to, to, to kind of put that, people are, put that out of business on the, on the top front by like trying to push it up? Or do you, do you feel like there's enough of a barrier that that just can't happen? Um, I, I think, I mean, if, if, you know, if, if every church in America, um, sort of 
uh, got on board with this, then, then yeah, I, I, I think that, well, and, well, and it's sort of a chicken and egg thing, because I think if a lot, you know, if a lot of people and a lot of communities started, uh, you know, ha- taking more responsibility for their own health and managing their own health, <clears throat> that would really relieve a lot of pressure points in the medical system as we know it. Um, and that would also motivate people to change a lot of the things that are um, inefficient and broken and unjust about the medical system. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think my, like, I think that some of the, the government and policy barriers are things that drive, um, this, the lack of responsibility, um, and that, um, make life more difficult for people who want to take care of themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but I think, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's plenty of hope and, and plenty that can be done. Um, on that level, you know, on the level of of the community, um, and I think that that would be really, really meaningful um, for a lot of people. Because I suppose either way, right? Like, if whether regardless of what the that how that conversation goes, right? Like, and the, the truth mm-hmm. is, it might change by administrations, by congressional movement, budget, health, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. There's a million things that can push that back and forth. Um, regardless yeah. of where that goes, um, this this makes sense from an overall health health of the nation, the healthier communities, the way that we treat and love each other, moral goods and justice, like the, yeah. that's packaged in. We're, we're just trying to reorient what it looks like to not be tied uh, as if our personal choices in how we help our communities is explicitly tied to some of the choices that, that, the, that the government makes. It, it certainly is influenced and it, it, it speaks mm-hmm. to it. But like to the extent that are we using our freedom well for as much as we want to talk about mm-hmm. that to positively influence society? That's a right question, regardless of kind of the political wins, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, no, it's 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 a problem that's going to be there, regardless of where our politics goes and takes us. Um, and you know, even even if we do magically fix some of these higher level problems, it's still something that we're going to have to do to take care of ourselves um, in the world that we live in. And, you know, with just the, you know, the, our current consumption patterns and um, uh, health problems and things like that. Like it's, it's something we got to do anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it, it was interesting as I was, as, as we've been talking here, I've been kind of cycling stuff through my mind on like, well, so what are the, what are the actual, this all sounds great, right? Like, so like, what are the, what are the barriers mm-hmm. here? And it seems like yeah. there, there's a, there's a few major ones. Like one of them is, is agreeing on what is, um, on, on what is just and, mm-hmm. and caring about it to the extent that, that we will, um, that, I don't know, that you can even come close to holding a, a consistent moral line. Cause like, um, one of the concepts when we talk about, um, single payer, right? It tends to shift the responsibility mm-hmm. of enforcement. Like either way, there's an enforcer. Right now, there's, we're, we're using, um, you know, major pharmaceuticals, hospitals, um, that kind of thing mm-hmm. are kind of the enforcers of, of, um, where our moral levels are when it comes to how healthcare is provided. Um, mm-hmm. you, you shift that responsibility to, to a, to a government and like there's still an enforcer there um you're mm-hmm. you're starting to meet and i think you touched on this in the article you're starting to meet basic levels of what you would consider um just um provision of health care but like the sustainability of any situation situation like that um requires a moral consistency 
that I, I, I'm extremely cautious to put in the hands of anything that isn't um, that is that far away from kind of the base level of folk. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. and yeah. so, like it's 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 a risk regardless of where you shift it. Like you trade a couple, you trade some things, and it, and it moves you up. Mm-hmm. Um, but like at the core of all of this, the how your community, even even in the communal um, part of the communal solutions, is a moral framework that says this is just and and we will it is worth fighting for and is worth putting effort into. And to the extent that if we are a society that doesn't do that, it doesn't matter who mm-hmm. the enforcer is. Nor what opportunities exist if we don't if there's not like an undergirding to that moral sense of responsibility and justice to people for their health. Is that, mm-hmm. is that, is that am I am I categorizing that risk correctly? Um, I mean, I would I would say, yeah. Um, although I I think the 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 horse has already left the barn <laughs> <laughs> in some senses on on that yeah on that particular problem. Um, just just because we've. <clears throat> Like you say, we've uh, we've sort of delegated so many responsibilities upwards um, that that there isn't, you know, uh, the uh, the I, I wouldn't say enforcement so much as as allocation. Uh-huh. Um, you know that right now the allocation um, is is just a lot more um, haphazard um, because it's. Split up between these different forces that <clears throat> are constantly feel like the other one is screwing them out of their money, right? Um, you know, between the insurers and the pharmaceutical companies and the hospitals and um, and whatnot. And at least with the government, you know, the government may um, be uh, may not do that allocation very well, um, but it it'll at least be consistent, and that will really cut down on the paperwork. <laughs> no doubt. Um, you know, like, like that's the, you know, just that's the kind of the cynical, um, uh, worst case scenario. Um, you know, cause I, I mean, that's, that's how it works in like the UK. Like, you know, people that really, really need something get it. Um, and then they're constantly squabbling about having enough money to do kind of the, the second order things. Right. Um, you know, but people don't, go uh without something really important um because they don't have, so have the money there's a bit of utility um, then, there right so like there's you know trying yeah. it's a net it, it really is more of a net than like a sustainable uh, applauded system it's just we put up something right. to keep them from falling off the cliff yeah yeah okay yeah yeah and it's yeah and and it's um you know there's there's Different levels of choice, you know. Again, you know, it's it is about the trade-offs of of what do you, you know, what what do you want as a society? What are you willing to give up? <clears throat> and uh, you know, I had another post about um, you know five different ways to make the healthcare system more just. Single payer is one of them. It's sort of the simplest because it just sort of squashes everything down. Um, you know, but there's there's other ways um, to try to make you know to to reorient the healthcare system. They're just more politically difficult, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And so the, the the tension there, I suppose, is like if we don't, um, uh, if we don't. Well, there's a couple things going on. So like mm-hmm. uh, one of the things is reorienting our our understanding of. Um, uh, consuming healthcare. So I, I was thinking about this is that like the folks who need it, 
um, don't mm-hmm. have the luxury, like who need it right now, don't have the luxury of thinking about it that way. Whereas right. those who are paying for it and don't use it right now, then it becomes a value proposition, right? Am I paying, mm-hmm. um, am I, I'm paying X dollars, am I getting it? back am i getting a good value right and so to mm-hmm. the, you will never get a good value in a, in a system that is meant to other from your if you don't also value um the just part of it right like if you don't find value in the fact that people um who need help more than you do are being helped um if your mm-hmm. sense of value doesn't include that then you, then you're never going to feel like you're getting a value out of the system and so the the, the single payer perspective right. forces that on you um, and mm-hmm. you, you don't really have the choice. The, the the thing we have to ask, I think, as a nation, right? Like, if we refuse, if we say that's not the right way to go because I think the government's going to mismanagement or mismanage it, or their notion of what is a what is the the net worth, like who who needs care in this area or whatever, like whatever the the specters are, mm-hmm. kind of in that thought process. Um, yeah, is that if we believe that to be the truth, like, are, are we actually are we actually fighting to? do the right thing with our freedom as opposed to as saying, well, you're going to have to take it away from me for it to, for it to happen. Right? Like if that's, if, if there yeah. is a, a way to fix it on the other side, I don't know that we're, we've put, we're putting a lot of effort into it to demonstrate it except for to reduce costs for people who don't, who are looking for a better value, but that really isn't the core of our problem. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and, I, and certainly the, yeah, the, the current system has plenty of, you know, people who, you know, are paying in, well, more and more all the time and feeling like they're getting less and less for it. Um, so it's, you know, that's, that's, you know, do you want the insurers deciding the value or do you want the government deciding, uh, the value that you get? It's, you know, it's, it's weird because like people tend to, they don't want to be, they don't trust either. Um, no. Right, so then, and, and there's 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 some credence to that, but then mm-hmm. the things that otherwise move it toward, well, who can we trust? If we can start to trust e- to each other in some respects, or like things mm-hmm. that are closer to home, um, mm-hmm. um, and that's where this starts to fill a gap. And I, and again, it comes back to like separating wheat from chaff. So can we start talking about the things that are actually on the table from a, a nation our size and the amount of people and the state of our economy and all that stuff um, versus things that we might be able to handle community? This at least I think helps to refine the conversation. That seems that seems like tangible good news to me. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, Mike, Mike, did you have any uh, anything lingering for Matthew? I got to be honest. I'm the least intelligent man in this conversation, so <laughs> I just kind of wait till things get to a an ebb. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, well, I, Matthew, I want to thank you so much for for taking time um, to to discuss this with us. I think I think this does. This does point to, you know, if, if good news changes how we see the world and it says that we are, uh, to be the greatest in the kingdom that we're going to serve, um, you know, even at our, at our own, that's going to cost us something if we feel like we have personal responsibility to change the lives of our community around of, around us to use our influence the best as we can to make the most of the opportunity. Mm-hmm. The types of stuff that you're talking about, um, uh, I think certainly points us in a direction that says we have the ability to be effective. Um, intangible ways for our community, even in a medical space where we feel unqualified, like there's ways to bridge those gaps that aren't crazy monumental. And so, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, I just I want to thank you for your voice on that. I want to thank you for for taking time to talk to us uh, about that. And um, you know, obviously for the for the, the the stuff that you're doing, best of luck in uh, in your teaching position and uh, continue to positively influence folks in that area. Well, thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. All right. Well, uh, have a good night. All right.
You too. Bye bye. All right, bye. All right, that was uh, that was Matthew Loftus. What happened? What was that, Mike? I gotta say, I mean, I think I kind of half understand what y'all are talking about, but there's a lot <laughs> of big words being talked about, and like philosophical things, like the weight of things and and net gains and whatnot. <laughs> and I think to myself, boy, I just wish I had the faintest idea. I drew a tree with a beard on it <laughs> while you guys were talking. <laughs> I, I had a tree and I put a beard on him and he was smiling because I'm like. Here's, like in the long run, I think I think what what you guys are talking about is it fits the exact profile of what we're talking about, right? Like we're talking about does the good news of Jesus Christ change the world? And he says, yeah. And here's how it's done from a guy that knows medical stuff. Yeah. Well, blah 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 blah. It's just the same thing that Jesus set up, right? I'm gonna set you up with a community. I'm gonna give people some things to do. I need you to parlay to them, and then and then that's what we're gonna do. And and I, like ours especially has gotten so screwed up. Like it makes me pine for the day. Of uh, like small town doctors, you yeah. know where you there's like one dude in town and like he keeps track of your entire medical record. He's known you since you were a naked baby, and now you now you're fifty. Yeah, and then he says things like, "No man, it'll be fine. I'm not giving you any pills for that. You know, stop being a whiner. Get out of my office." Yeah, like I miss that guy. That's the guy that I want. And and I suppose I would always be dis distrustful of your community, man. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because it'd be just like everything. Because the hospital does the exact same thing, right? Like. They try these small sub programs where they only they give them, put them through like a three day seminar and then they're like hey we're gonna do we're gonna talk about fibromyalgia health and then they put on a clinic and it's people who had three days worth of training and they're they're meant to it feels like you're they're meant to try to keep you out of here right like you're oh, showing I think up for, they are yeah right you're showing up for <laughs> for to come into the hospital and they're like this is the front line of defense to see if we can't get some of these people not to come into this hospital because they don't have they you know we don't believe they have this anyway. But like it feels like you're, they're completely shining you on, and I'm afraid that's what the community thing would be. Would be. Uh, right. So, so that was kind of what I was getting at, though. Like it presents this thought that like um, um, it, there's an individual thought that says, yes, the normal procedure works, but not me. I'm a special case. There's something actually additionally wrong with me, or there's a nuance in my case, and yes. that's that's what he was. T- so, so that belief though says I only I only should see experts. Uh, yes, I deserve the best. Right. So, but but it's it's the wrong. Definition of the best, like, and maybe I'll follow up with him and see. It'd be interesting to read some of the studies, right, where he said, like, doctors, for fear of that or for whatever reason, because they think they're more wise than following the basic treatment, end up causing more issues. Because more often than not, it's, it's it's actually if you just followed the protocol, you'd have been fine. Yeah, and and community folks can do that. So, like, I do think that is a legitimate barrier. It's difficult changing people's minds where they say, look, I just don't trust your, your, this situation. Um, how can you? I, I want the professional. Like we've we've kind of elevated professionals. Think of it like there's, think of how many people pay other people to do their taxes. I need the professional, and like I've done my own taxes. Yeah. It is not difficult to do my taxes. Well, I think uh, like at home birth is probably the best example, right? Yeah. Like like it can be done. People have been doing it for centuries. But like dudes like me look around and say, look, I'm pretty sure it goes fine. But in case of trouble, I want that man with a coat. And I want this building with the machines in it. Yeah, right. That's what I want. Yep, I, I want the yeah, I want the room full of all the equipment, and just in case something happens. And so, like, um, the, the thing is, and this is the hardest part, is like, be, it's the stakes are so high. You're dealing with someone's life. But here's the thing, it, and 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 this is where it shouldn't be so high for us, where Christians should be jumping right into the stake, because I'm like, eh, what if I'm wrong and I die? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I mean, it's not like the Lord's gonna be like, you idiot, <laughs> you know? Right. He's like, you coming in either way. And so what am I really worried about? That we go, someone's going to make the long, one wrong decision and I end up dying in ammonia or something. I'm like, eh, you know. Okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, maybe. And so, like, and that, that was one of the things he touched in his article is that how much we pay subspecialties. So, like, not the not the primary care doctor, and not even like the you know the the high dollar cancer man, but like he's an, he's a cancer that only comes from a fungus on the on the belly button or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like that guy makes a ton of money. Big but, belly button cancer man. Right. And so and and it may be and so like relative to what we pay, you know, we are able to save and help a lot of people in those niche things, but it, it's it's coming at a cost to our 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 maintenance, our ability to uh, have people have consistent health care. Um, and, and do th- things that aren't, aren't, aren't chronic. And, but the, but the, the trouble with this is, and, and I, I don't think I got to the, to the finer point here, which is, um, a, a lot of the stuff, like our major medical things are life, they seem to be lifestyle choices. And the question, I suppose, which, which would be interesting to bear out, and this is kind of what he got to, he said that, that, uh, going to the doctor, you got 15 minutes with the doctor, is that more likely to change the fact that you are a, you know, a pack a day smoker versus, you're continually seeing someone in your community that can get to know you. Are they going to be able to have a greater influence and convince you to stop smoking? Yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely B, right? It's definitely community man. Yeah, and so, so like, if we re- reorient that to say, um, have those types of conversations at a level, like you're never going to, well, you ain't going to see your doctor every two weeks. There's no way. There's no way that's going to happen. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm not going to the community clinic every two weeks anyway. I don't have any reason to. Uh, I haven't been to a doctor in a decade. That's what I'm saying. But like. Um, but actually, so the part of the reason though is, is because I have various people around me that aren't doctors, but they're close enough. And like, uh, for basic, I've not had major health things. I got headache problems. And they're like, uh, are you eating like crap? Uh, are you, you know, if you got stomach issues or whatever, like they go through basic understandings of how the body works. I'm like, well, actually, yes, I have, I'm not sleeping well or I'm eating terribly or like things that, that are my environment or I'm, you got stress or whatever. They're, people can pick these out. Um, I don't need a doctor for that. Um, and uh, it continues to work. I've, I'm still fine. Um, and so I, I suppose that's the question is, is A, you know, do we have the institute? Can we create the infrastructure to do it? Like, think about what it would change, right? If you knew, um, the thought process of the, of the town doctor, um, our towns are, let's say they're too big. There's not enough doctors to fill up, to, to take care of a town like that. All right. But like, if you could handle 70% of basic medical care because, there are neighborhood people who've gone through whatever training we feel like is appropriate to do that. Like that gets you a lot closer to that aspect. They I mean, is, it f- is it free? Well, probably. People are volunteering their time or something. Well, they could be. Hey, here's the deal: is like everybody I know that has kind of that uh, healing mindset. They, I mean, they're constantly answering the phone, right? They're not dodging it. They don't. They they literally they want to help people, right? And so I, I think they would. I mean, whatever you can figure out a structure to pay them. I don't know if it matters, but like. I- I mean, you gotta, yeah, I, I, there's just, there's just seem like there's a, there's more of a cost involved, right? Like, okay, so, so let's say you get people coming to your free clinic or whatever, like, yep. I mean, you're gonna have to have paper on the bed so they don't get their nasty bum germs all over the place. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're gonna have to have sterile stuff, you have to have gloves, you have to have some high end temperature equipment or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, I mean, it, it's gonna cost, it's gonna be a, a small clinic. So does a communal meal to the homeless. Everything costs money. Yeah, but it don't you, cost money like that. You're gonna give something away, it's gonna cost. I hear what you're saying, but like it doesn't cost something like that. I can make chili and hot dogs for under a hundred for probably a, probably two hundred people. Gloves are cheap. Now you say that now. Wait till you buy them by the caseload, and I. You wait till you see that bum paper. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. No bum paper. Yeah, something has to go on the bed. The blue paper. I don't think you have to do that. 
Uh, no one's getting naked at the community clinic and put their <laughs> naked butt on something. That's stupid. <laughs> so, and there's, there's a right, I think there's right questions for like the measure, right? Of like, at what point do you, guys shows up, he's bleeding, he needs to go to the doctor. There's no reason to come in here. But like, someone sprains an ankle, can somebody wrap it? Do we got someone around here that knows how to wrap an ankle? Like, how, oh, yeah, but how you know it ain't broken? So here's the deal, the army does that. Like most of your, most of the most of the guys in the armed forces have some basic training about stuff like this. They can help with with yeah, but we're not field care. dressing a wound in the middle of battle. Like I mean, they're going to want to get an X-ray to see if it's broken. Uh, yeah, I know. Is there other ways to tell that it's? Here's the deal: Could people pick out a broken bone prior to be the there being an X-ray machine? I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't alive, Ben. Yeah, so I think it was possible. Okay, says you, you weren't there either. You're right, Mike. There are people who were <laughs> potentially breaking bones in Austria, and they said, we don't know what to do. They so said, they put they, everybody in cast. Yes, they probably they just set them all. Everyone. They said, I don't know, serve them with the foot. Set it up. You're stupid. That's not right. You have no proof <laughs> that that is not, not what, the deal. Not what they do. So I'm going to check on so, it. So, uh, so uh, okay, so from your perspective then, are you saying uh, this is not – this this doesn't – for you, it's not enough. It's not tangible good news. No. Here's the thing. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great option. Your biggest hurdle is guys like me, where I'm like, I just don't see it. You're right. I believe I deserve the expert. Like you're t- I mean, look how much healthcare money you've taken from me. I want to see a guy. <laughs> Give me a guy. Right, so I think so. There's there's two levels of, of question here. There's one is tangibly helping people who who cannot afford it, um, and they may go to this simply because it's a better option, right? You have the luxury to say, I want the expert. They may not. Yeah, they have the luxury to steal my money. They might. For the expert. Who? It's not a luxury of anything. What do you mean? My health insurance company. Uh, we, right. It's not like I'm like, give me the upper crust health care plan. They're like, give me $2,000 and we fine you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. So I, I get that. But like, that is not the same as someone who doesn't even, who doesn't have the option to get to to see the expert right like everybody can go to the emergency room not everybody can get can go to the expert sure so so to that extent uh i mean i suppose i i would say this is not for you but if it isn't for you it probably doesn't change the game right because if you're only then it's it's just charity work and that that doesn't actually change the system it doesn't change how people function it doesn't change how uh, people get heart disease or, or that kind of thing. Like, or the, the, as long as the, we say, as long as the smoker is middle class, they only get the 15 minutes with the doctor. They're not going to the community clinic. All right. So, but here's a pro in the, in the right direction, right? It's like, I felt the same way about, say, essential oils two years ago. I'm like, no, yeah, these are dumb. <laughs> no, right. it doesn't make any sense. Right. Right. I, you know, I've cured everything. Uh, well, I have, uh, you know, folks around me have cured everything I've ever had wrong with me in the last three years with essential oil. Right. And so, like, I don't go to the doctor either. So, you know, it might just be like, it's just going to take a little while. To get people on board with this, you know, and 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 checking the thing out, but the 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 part that I don't like is I can see the benefit for, say, um, you know, the the folks that are continually going into the clinic or something. Yeah. They're actually paying out of pocket to go. Like the people that can't afford to go anyway, doesn't really matter. They're going free, right? Like like they're basically just dumping the costs on the American taxpayer, and it's getting paid for anyway. And so in in the long run, like you're talking about the guys that are actually spending money on health care. And, and to me, the benefit looks like maybe they're getting more palliative care. Um, but on the backside, uh, you know, uh, he was saying that, that that maybe the hospital would un, unclog a little bit because of these, you know, there, there, there wouldn't be near as much, you know, uh, unnecessary traffic. Yeah. And if that was the case, I'm like, I don't want to be benefiting in no hospital. They're the, I mean, it's not like they're going to lower the prices. As soon as, as soon as the, it's unclogged. So what's interesting is that 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 would be actually the uh, the capitalistic um, the capitalism answer, right? Is is that is that it should happen? 
uh, is that they should lower the prices. But they uh, won't. In effect. So, so if they won't, though, that means, like, that's crooked. Right, like that's not a. Um, so Are you a, insinuating we don't have enough proof that it's crooked now? Uh, no, right. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So if that's the case, though, um, uh, so so th- so th- they've got you by the nuts, Mike. Right because now, yes, you, here you, and now. You say you're crooked, but you. I also I don't trust anybody else but you. Uh, it's it's like buying gas. Yeah, you see a storm roll through the the, the south, and they're like two eighty five a gallon. Storm goes away six months later, they're like two ninety. <laughs> Things are back in production. Pipeline's been open for six months. Same price. And you go, I feel like it should have gone down a little bit. But it does not. It does not move. Right, but you and you still pay it. Because you have to have because it. Because I have to have it. Right. Uh, wait, let me ask you this. Are you more likely to buy <laughs> to buy gas from a man manufacturing in his backyard versus taking medical advice as to whether you need to see a doctor about your cough? I mean, this backyard refinery man seems interesting to me at the least. <laughs> I, so, I, so I think you're right. I think it's the it's it's the right question, right? Because we we just don't trust people. We have the luxury to have that. Like we we are able to do that. We are able to say, I don't trust you. I want better. Um. So take the take the charity case off. The people who can't afford it, they're going to have to take what they can get, right? Um. And it's money from beyond that that funds the system. And so the question is, is how do you convince? people that are funding the system to stop funding this like if they, they say they're not using my money right um why, why but they're not open to the option of having kind of the various levels of care and it doesn't even have to be a layman right like you're talking about empowering nurses and nurse practitioners and like not being so sketchy about folks like midwives and sure. and in like one or two steps underneath um uh, uh, parish medical professionals or, or like whatever i mean whatever also well, let's start sending people to school like they don't need to go for seven years. They're not going to see every instance. Like, do an associate's degree in something, right? Like, yeah. it's not like you don't. You're not training people. It's just saying, um, we're gonna we're gonna find levels of folks so that like we can do basic things. I mean, can we give away? I'd, what if I went through a paramedic training? Is that enough for me to be able to be okay to do basic things to people? Uh, from a church perspective, to have them kind of run through and do a clinic, and then say, look, that's beyond our care. Um, we'll, we'll recommend you to go do this. And they yeah. can get you in sooner because you're not clogging up the system. Yeah, I mean, but he's right. I mean, you know how, how a grand of a scale that would have to happen. I mean, look at the look at every major city from here to Tacoma. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, they are littered with giant hospitals with thousands of beds and tens of thousands of people working there. Like they're just they they're like a juggernaut of an institution. Right. And like I like what you would have to do to not only to, to 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 decrease the amount of folks going in there, but change the mindset of the folks going in there. Like they, if if they believed in doing this stuff, they'd do it now. Uh, well, so I think there's two barriers to that. One is I think I agree. I think we are very consumeristic. Um, from a health perspective, I think I want the. I don't want to listen to a guy that t- to tell me to change my life. I, maybe I just want the pill. I, heck, I know a lot of people that that are like that. Right? They just don't want to do. They don't want to change anything. They they, they just want the. The quick solution. And so, like, I think there is some optimism that says, uh, if they come to the community thing, I think your chance of influencing them, they're better. But, like, I think there's, there's still sin in the world. Like, people are still selfish and people still want, um, we'll take the short term answer. And I think, I think we over, um, for all the people that are actually in need and that want a difference, 
I think there is a blindness that says that there aren't there are people that simply don't. They don't want the difference. They actually just want you to give them the medicine and send them on their way. They're, There's a large amount of that. Yeah, they, they don't want to eat differently. Now, again, so uh, the thing is though is I can't speak to what it is on the charity level, like the people who actually can't afford it, but I can. I mean, that exists all over the place from a middle class perspective, right? Like people who could, who do have the means to do it differently, don't want, they just don't want to. No, that's, no, that's very they don't much do true. That. And so, uh, so I think that's true, but I think uh, you're right. The second thing is, is that we have, um, they're not doing it on their own because it feels like a, like a significant jump, right? Well, like be, be, for, for the same reason that you're saying, right? Like if I started that up, you ain't coming. No. you're like, I'll just go to the hospital. Well, see, and that's the thing. Like, it's just one of those deals. You got to know a guy that buys into it, right? Like, I don't use no essential oils until I meet somebody that already does. You know, I, I mean, same thing for folks that do, um, what, a needles in the face or whatever they do. Oh, acupuncture. Acupuncture, yeah. right? Like, I'm like, no, that's dumb. I'm not doing it, right? But, I mean, I met a couple people that are like, yeah, it helps a little bit. Yeah. I would consider it in some some areas, you know. And so, like, it, it really is just about exposing people to it and giving them a chance to to give it a shot, like they're 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 not gonna move on their own because they're gonna feel like they're getting slighted. Like I paid for the hospital, my my health insurance money pays for that hospital and that doctor to be there in his sweet sparking spot. When I'm sick, dang it, someone's gonna come find me. So that so that is, think of it this way: that is the problem, though. It's 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 health as a concept of value. Um, and this goes to the core. Is um he would define. Matthew would define um, a just healthcare system that basically doesn't allow people to fall off the cliff. That they're they're not dying of something uh, unnecessary, things that could have been prevented, right? And so if we don't agree on that um, and that that is something that is worth paying for, nothing will change because I'm never getting the value out of my health care. I spend a lot of uh, – like a, even if my I – mean, I get it through insurance, but here's the thing. They always talk about that. I'm paying for it. Now, my, my uh, employer is paying for uh, a good chunk of it. But it's not like I'm not paying for health insurance, okay? So, like, in a given year, let's just say I my uh, health insurance cost me $2,500. I don't go to the doctor. I buy I buy um, I buy vitamins, and uh, and those aren't even like it's not like medical insurance covers that. Um, no, and Frank, and this is one of his his things too, is that the HSA doesn't either. I can put money back for an HSA. I can't buy preventative care stuff. I can't buy vitamins. I can buy. Um, I can buy medicine, but like I can't buy things that keep me from getting sick. You should be able to buy a, buy a like a Y membership or something with your or HSA money. Yeah, or fruit or whatever, right? And so um, you can't eat better with HSA money. And so so the truth is is that like I'm not getting a value if I if, if I think in those terms out of my insurance. I've been paying I've paid twenty five thousand dollars in health insurance premiums over the last decade for me and my family, um, and I have gone to the and that's a high deductible. I've never ever met my deductible, um, and I've probably paid in another I don't know three thousand dollars or so out of pocket for various medical things over the last ten years. And past that, I've probably spent more than that on vitamins and fruit. And so, so the thing is, is that like I could I could look at it and say, hey, I'm not getting a value. But the truth is, insurance only works um, across groups if there are people that are not getting value out of it, right? Yeah. Like that's the only way it works. Um, because if I if I was taking out more than I was putting in, and so was everybody else, the thing is bankrupt, right? So it's it's it, insurance is a is a is that safety net, and I have to be comfortable with the fact that I may not use it, that I may not get the full benefit of it. Like just because the opportunity exists that they will pay for my arm to get cut off, doesn't mean I'm missing out that my arm didn't get cut off. I'm paying so that it's covered if it doesn't happen. That's the nature of insurance. 
And so if we can't agree that there is value in me in me overfunding a system that I don't – because my arm didn't cut off, but it went to somebody who didn't pay as much but whose arm getting cut off was covered, if that's not okay with me, like then we don't have a moral level to otherwise make right decisions. You understand what I'm saying? I don't, I, but I, I don't think that you're going people are in agreement there. So, so that is, but that's our. They have to be in agreement. That's our current system. Oh, right. So, like, that's our. That's, I mean, is it though? Like, it's. I mean, the guy, my arm don't get off, but like, I ain't talking to a bunch of people here lately that are like, you know what? I'm so impressed with my healthcare coverage. I walked in, I thought it was going to be a, a, a total onslaught, and it turned out they covered just about everything. It was great. I mean, it's everybody I took to, like my my eczema medicine used to be five dollar copay. Now it's three hundred dollars. But you know what? Still got eczema. Still gotta have it. <laughs> the uh, only stuff that works. No, yeah, yeah. That no. So that so I get that part. I guess that's what I'm saying though. Is like, um, I'm I have to. We have to re. When it comes to our society, if I if it's only about me, then I'm getting ripped off, right? Then I feel like I'm not getting a value because I didn't get to use my health insurance to the full extent. But that's not the concept of insurance. Same thing, think about your car insurance, right? Like I pay car insurance so that if I get in a wreck, they will replace my car or pay for the repairs, right? I have not wrecked my car in the last decade. And so am I getting ripped off from my car insurance? Yes. No. Oh. Because they would have paid it. I'm paying for the opportunity. I'm paying for the backup, right? But like it's not fair to then come back and say, yeah, but I haven't wrecked my car from 10 years. You stole my money. They still had to be prepared to cover that. What it, what did happen though is somebody bought insurance, paid it for four months, and then wrecked his car, and they bought him a new. <laughs> and you're saying that the swings allow them, uh, you know, to be able to handle that such an emergency. Right. That's that's exactly right. Like if you want to know that you're getting the full value out of your money, you're gonna have to put it in your in your drawer, and then you know that your two hundred dollars will be used to it, to its fullest extent. See, that's what Ted Nugent said to do, and everyone's like, "No, Ted, crazy." No, because he is crazy because what's not reasonable is that you're gonna wreck your car, and your car's not two hundred dollars. Only a fool would pay you $20,000 to replace your $20,000 car when you only paid him $200. That's insurance. Yeah. Right? Like, like that, so here's the thing. If we can't agree that that's what insurance does and, and the conversation says I'm getting ripped off because I'm not getting my value out of it, like you don't understand how insurance works. It, it is a group pool. It's not an individual item. You're not buying – I'm not giving you $5 for $7 worth of goods and feeling like I got a good deal. That's not what's happening. You're agreeing to share risk with a very large pool of people and have it spread out. Um, now, the truth is, is you're doing that from a private insurer today. The single payer option says, uh, we don't like the way the, 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 the mess that comes with the various private insurers, the corporate hospitals, and all those things. We're only going to negotiate with one insurer. That's the federal government. Um, and then that will at least get rid of a lot of those things that are clogging the system. Now, I don't like that because I don't trust the government to do it right. And I think that most most single-payer folks will at least admit that, that like there are inefficiencies in the system and they're probably not going to do it the way you want. But like one thing you cannot argue against from a single-payer perspective is this thought process that says um, I, they're going to redistribute my money. All insurance redistributes your money. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. Right. And so now you're just arguing who you trust. I trust neither. Right. So so then so then the question is, how do I solve this if I don't trust the big party to, that makes the big promises? But even though it's all going to it's only going to shake out the same for me because I have health insurance and uh, they will cover it at some point or another. Um, the, so the communal aspect starts to shift the conversation. It starts to say, all right. How, can we take some of this? All that money have to go into the system. If if if, if money uh, kind of corrupts and otherwise um, 
uh, has an un- unwieldy move and doesn't even cover the things you expect it to, I would have been better to keep the $200 in my drawer than pay this guy $2,500 for him not to have my copay and then spend $200 extra dollars on eczema. Like ne- like Nugent said. Uh, I don't even know what Ted Nugent said. But like, I just don't... <laughs> <laughs> I accept his exact quote. So, so, so anyway, so then the question is, is it like, why am I paying $25, $2,500 a year in health insurance coverage if they're not gonna, if they're gonna give me a $1,500 deductible and I'm gonna have to pay $2 for my eczema medication? Yeah. That they're not gonna cover anyway, right? I agree. And so, the question is, is that like, are there things that I can, can be done on a more preventative care maintenance schedule, um, you know, maybe I see the, the HSA is designed to do. Yeah, this but when you thing. you had you'd have to say if we want to get all the nitpicky fellas out the door, that you'd have to say that the health insurance company is losing money on these people. For that to matter, yeah. So so like on the whole, it's not the cancer patient that's a million dollar treatment. It's not the heart transplant guy. It's 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 the it's the 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 masses that are showing up there for not feeling rights. And like, and, and and if we could weed those guys out, so the insurance companies aren't dinging the, or the doctors aren't in, in dinging the insurance companies for all those visits, are we trying to say that like they they in the long run they're losing money on the nitpickers, on the guys that are in there frequently? No, 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 no. So it's it's not a single source of the problem. Like that's that's what makes this feel like it's too big to solve because it's not it's not that if you if you pull some of that out of the system, um, stuff doesn't automatically get cheaper insurance doesn't automatically get better right like it we have to rethink how we do care like so the i need i need the car insurance if i wreck my car the question is is that does that make sense that we have something in place that says um there's catastrophic insurance in case major things happen and everybody's covered like like are we willing to pay for that if we can find better ways to deal with um the the persistent costs of the nitpickers and can we otherwise reorient people's lifestyle so to try to improve how often those major things are happening, right? Like, can we can we move a hundred a hundred uh, lung cancer out of a population of five hundred down to fifty um, because people are actually giving up smoking? Or um, if heart disease are, is our top killer, uh, if people are eating better, if people are spending money like yeah, and exercising it, and that kind I of mean, thing? I mean, is that what that business wants? It doesn't actually feel that way, right? Because otherwise they'd be addressing the problems as they sit right now. No, no, it, it isn't what they want, but it's what we want, right? So, like, I don't want to spend – I don't want to pay them $2,500 a year for them not to cover anything. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd pay them $500 a year um, relative to my risk of, uh, of, of coming into something that's actually catastrophic. Although, then, again, again, that's me, like, looking for value out of the system. But like, there's 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 multiple things. There's like five big major things that have to change for you to reorient the conversation. Like the 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 thought that there's one thing that can shift and it changes the world is a lie. Like it's that's that's what's not going it's not going to happen. Um, and you're right. The insur- insurance companies aren't necessarily motivated for you to stop coming in and doing work and, and like getting medical care. They've got a, they've got a, a largest of things put together to do that. I think the question is is that like are we are we overspending? Are we paying a doctor, for example, you know, two hundred dollars an hour to diagnose a cold that it, like someone with three months of paramedic training could do? Yes. Yeah. Right. So, like, as a when we look at our economy, is is that a good use of our resources? Is there a better thing to do? But for most, for for a majority of people, uh, it's it's a it's a wash of a cost anyway. I don't pay out of pocket to go in there and have a doctor diagnose a cold. Um. 
I mean, we're talking we're talking about differences that are going to show up, you know, in 15 years if everyone else goes on board. Otherwise, I'm just the rogue not getting not getting professional medical care. Uh, no, right, but it, so you didn't you didn't pay it, but it got paid. True. Right. So so somebody paid it, and so like you did pay it. Like you're paying insurance premiums. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like if I if 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 Lone Wolf decides he ain't going to go in there, my insurance premium is going to drop tomorrow. No, so, it's going to take 15 years and another million people to do it. Right. So that's that's true. So like you the the broad that it's a very it's a long game. Yeah. Right? It's, it's a real long. A, game. It's a very long game that would that and that's that's the truth is like I don't know that we have society that we have the stomach for a long game. Right, that we that we are looking and saying, how do we fundamentally change how we think about health healthcare? How do we make sure that people aren't falling off the cliff unnecessarily? Like, here's the thing: um, does does where does our pro life stance end? I don't want babies to be to be killed, abortion. I don't want assisted suicides. Um, there's people who could, if they could have gotten care, and I think the examples of this may be overdone, right? But like, if it, people exist who could have gotten care but simply didn't because they couldn't afford to go, is that acceptable for us from a life perspective? If we could have influenced that, should we? Well, yes. Yeah. So so as you reorient, now, now start backing that up and saying if some of that is lifestyle and you can positively – people aren't going to hospitals for lifestyle changes because those are events. I go to hospital. They give me something. I leave um, versus actual community influence. Is, is God, are God's people on the hook for that type of thing even when it comes to, to, to health care? Yes. Okay. So, so that's the question. Is is for all the long term impacts uh, and our broad attempts to change a system. I wonder if like some of these types of solutions, these communal types of solutions, um, are done anyway. Are are simply faithful in the means type of exercises that say, um, anytime that we have the chance to show to shine the light of Jesus to community to serve them in one way or another to attempt to positively change their life. To get close enough to them so we can recognize where the needs are that the systems won't meet that we can meet, um, and to to basically move knowledge and influence down into a church level is that not something that we want to be a part of, even if we cannot predict how much or how far it will influence the broad issue. Sure. So I so I think I think for me that's how that's that's how this still changes the world because um, I don't always I don't know that I can be responsible for solving. Uh, the nation's problems, um, but like, can something like this help to positively influence your community? I think the answer to that is yes. And so, to that extent, because it's within our tangible control, maybe it's something that we can that you can do. That feels like you can make, as opposed to just saying I voted one way or the other. Like your vote is a little bit of the thoughts and prayers category, right? Like it's. I feel like you want something like this to work. You just actually have to just do it. And then let it start affecting people, and yeah. then it will it will it will go on its own. Uh, you can extol the virtues all day long, but until someone else hears someone else say yes, I did it, and yes, it's going to work. All I see is that you're taking, like you're still taking my insurance money. I, I'm just not getting to see the guy that went to school for 12 years. I'm just seeing the guy that went for three weeks. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So like it's this is not likely to catch on if you're otherwise also paying the same insurance premiums all the time. Which I which for it to catch on. That's gonna to have to be true for a while. Yeah, so, so that's true. I think there's a, there's kind of like the insurance companies and hospitals and all that stuff. Like they're not gonna change that structure. Um, like why would you? Nobody goes through and like automatically start. In fact, I've never had a lower insurance premium ever. No, well, and watch them, right? Like it, let's say it, let's say this whole thing fires up and flips the tide. They're gonna be like, hey man, demand's way down, and we got big hospitals to pay for. Our insurance rates are gonna to have to go up. 
He's got to have to pay for all these people uh, who work here, and the building's got to keep the lights on. Yeah, so, so like there's a communal aspect that too, right? Like if you start to move that stuff down um, and you start giving stuff away that people are getting paid to do now, yeah, <laughs> right? Like there's a community just like there is hey, like – Here's the truth of the matter, though, is like you might see America's economy turn back to service or get off a service economy, and we start making things. Uh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like you take some of the you take some of that stuff out of the hospitals. Uh, I, I actually have the same opinion on some of the bigger churches, mm-hmm. right? Like if you take some of the some of the positions that exist that are actually just service positions, they're mm-hmm. just for they're just you serving people, and say, look, that's not your job. It's just how you serve people, and then go find something to make. Yeah, you know, and then and then I I think you would see a parts of our economy that would have to turn back around and say, look, we got to produce something. We can't just service ourselves. And the healthcare industry and the clergy have the most room to negotiate on 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 people having you know a chance to to be part of an economy that's producing something. Yeah, and you know one of the things, and shoot, I meant to ask him about this is like when he was talking about the the broader definition of health. Um, you know, talking about spending time with people on, on, on back porches, right? And reorienting how cities are built and that kind of thing. Like, what, one of the, one of the core barriers we probably have is like, do we actually value that? Right? Like, um, can you convince people that that is, it is valuable to know your neighbors, to, um, engage with people, to not be by yourself? Like, some people will feel that, but like, I, I actually think that is something that you actually, similar to the care, uh, like the communal care type stuff, um, that you actually have to convince people that it is valuable. And if they don't find it valuable, they're not going to, they're not going to change it. And so unless we agree that it is, that there is a value to it, um, from a health perspective, um, our society is not going to be able to move like that. And you're not going to be able to force it. And so I think one of the barriers, frankly, is that is what people find morally good or what, what they find, um, uh, not morally good, um, good for your health. Yeah. Because they'll look at this and say that's 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 bogus. We for the reasons he mentioned, right? Like he can't. There's nothing to measure there. Is there quality quality of life indication? Yeah. So I, so really, it just goes back to the same thing. You're gonna have to fire it up, and you're gonna have to get people interested. And even if you got to do it one by one, yeah. And start talking to people about, hey man, we just got we got to talk with each other. We got to go out on some walks. We got to stop eating this garbage, whatever. And then like before yeah. you go haul into the doctor, let's talk about it. I think that's solid. So yeah, actually, so so final thing on that then, like you can do that even ignore the the church sponsored stuff and uh, community level things. Like you can do that with your friends, right? Yeah. Like uh, th- those one the one of the examples in the article was in Japan. There are guys who just like they just did that. They just are intentional about having groups of people and they get together and say they check their blood pressure and they talk about their health stuff and like they're they're comfortable that the group wisdom is sufficient to otherwise. Um, Catch things and maybe say, okay, now go to the doctor or, uh, you know, I had that and stop eating liverwurst or whatever it is. You know, um, we just don't, I suppose we just don't trust the knowledge. You know, hey, you, we should drive through the, through the, through the hospital parking lots where the doctors park and see how many guys have them stickers up. Cause think about that. Like think about the guys you don't trust and then that guy's, do, that is the doctor doing it. The guy cutting you open. Well, and actually we've talked about this before. Like, I mean, it's not like they say only the top five out of this medical school graduate. Yeah. They're like, if you've got passing grades, you graduate. That could be the top, you know, 85%. And, I mean, that dude would be a C student. He's out there. Yeah. Cranking on people. Yeah. I don't know about that. No, right. But that's what's happening. And you wouldn't know it. He didn't put the C on his name tag, so you know he was the lower tier. No. Yeah. I mean, they put him in the same hospital. Like, you wouldn't know the difference. The guy with the low-rent auto shop, he's spray-painting on plywood. And you're like, nope, not today. Right. Give me the lighted sign. But that guy that made C average or whatever out of the medical school, he working on the third floor. And that's all I know. Right. Mm. Yeah, something to keep in mind there. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Anyway, 
Hey, uh, I don't, I don't know. I like, I kind of want to ask for your thoughts. Uh, if you guys have any feedback or whatever on the interview, shoot us an email info live from the path.org. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know if I can, can take, can, can, uh, keep up a sustained conversation on this stuff. I don't know. You're, I mean, it's a slow burner, Ben. Yeah. Well, that's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Most of that was me. Shoots case. All right. Uh, I don't know. We got time for one. No. No, we don't. We're done. No. All right. Hold on. I wasn't, so I was expecting a dear life from the path. So I don't have a, ah, uh, hold on. Yeah. Well, we got time for one. Okay. Advise a guy that stinks. We got to do it. Okay. Dear life from the path. My husband quotes Ron and I have been married for 49 years. When we retired, we moved to Florida. Ron is 71 and healthy. He rides his bike 30 to 50 miles every day. He also mows the lawn and takes care of all the gardening. Problem is, after all that activity and the heat and humidity, he don't bother to shower. He'll just change his clothes into whatever he wears for the nighttime. I've spoken to him about it, but I can't seem to get through. My three sons, 47, 43, and 42, don't want to speak to him. I wonder if that's their names. What? My three, oh, ages. My three sons, ages 47, 43, and 42, don't want to speak to him about it because they don't live with us. For them, it's only a temporary problem. I'm at my wit's end. I am sensitive to odors and it has gotten to the point that I want to move out. Please, can you give me some ideas on what to do? The air fresheners I bought for his room are not enough. This was the husband? Yeah, Ron. What the heck ever? Just talk to the man. Uh, 49 years worth of marriage to Ron. He stinks. He no stinks one's, bad. No one's willing to say, hey, Ron, you stink? 30 to 50 years? I wonder how she's putting it. You know, like, is she being straightforward? Like, Ron, you go out ride 30 miles today and then you mow the lawn? You smell like an armpit. You you can't just put on clothes and I expect the clothes to smell like an armpit too. So wait, uh, I I missed the first. She she's talked to him and is just not making any progress, or she's just she wants her sons to do it. Let's see. The problem well, is, my wife would say that to me, and in fact, does say that to me in a hot second. Yeah, I have spoken to him about it, but I can't seem to get through. What do you mean? I would hide his clothes. I'd put them in a locked cabinet. And I'd make naked Ron toot around the house, and you say, Ron, no clothes until you take a shower. Yeah, take That's a shower. Deal. And no, uh, no times. We're not spending times. You stink. She didn't make any mention of the times. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how do they get three sons if he stinks so bad? What kind of weak-livered sons are these? Like, this is a perfect problem for a son to a dad. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, the mom gave it a shot. She tried to talk to the dad and say, look, at her. Ron, you got to shower this up. And he's like, ah, woman. You know, but like I would tell the son, and I would send the oldest boy in there, and then he would go, "Dad, listen, you smell like bum. <laughs> yeah, you got to take a shower. You can't be out doing all this jazz and stink. This whole house stinks." Yeah, yeah, that doesn't seem all that difficult. I would say that's certainly, he, yeah, I'd do this without even meeting the man. I wish they'd included a phone number. I'd call Ron <laughs> directly. I, I have absolutely no problem with this conversation. It's just a one human to another human conversation. Yeah, you friends smell terrible. I think you should do something about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you just got to talk to him. That's silly. All right, Secular says, you uh, you say you've been married to Ron for 49 years. Was he always so slovenly about his personal hygiene? If it's recent, this may be something that should be brought to the attention of his doctor. She's going to think it's some kind of mental illness. Hey, this is what I'm saying, Mike. Community. <laughs> 30 to 50 miles a day? Uh, yeah, he stinks. This is not some sort of illness problem. Hey, listen to this. Okay, this this proves the point, right? She's going to send this man to the doctor because his wife can't convince him that he smells bad. That's not a good reason. This to is go not to a doctor. medical problem. They need to stop at the community center with Ben. Here's the rest of the advice. As people age, their senses of sight, hearing, smell start to become less acute. There's nothing wrong with those senses. Could he be developing dementia? 
Frankly, that was my first thought after reading your letter. See, you haven't had any training. If it's not the case, is it possible that his poor hygiene is intended to keep you away? If that's the reason, then you have two choices. Give him an ultimatum or write it out. However, if you do the former, you must be prepared to follow through and accept the consequences. Hey, man, you have caused a rift in a marriage that didn't need to be there with your preposities. You know, an ultimatum. Yeah, I mean, seriously, you're going to end a marriage of 49 years telling him to say, look, you either go shower or I'm out of here? Come on. I don't understand this. Yeah, it's just... Uh, uh, so there's not enough there, right? Like, we don't know his reaction. Did he say, no, I don't stink? Because yeah. that is a markedly different problem. Yes. If he's acting like he don't smell, then obviously he's a fool. <laughs> yeah. And he might, maybe he does have dementia. But if he just does flat out not care, he's 71 years old, Ron's done giving any any type of crap to anybody. He yeah. just says, nope, I'm going to stink, and I'm going to do what I want, and I'm done. Eh, good luck, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'd send the kids in to talk to him. I think his son should be able to straighten that out. Yeah, I agree. All right, you've been listening live from the path. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Big thanks to Matthew Loftus uh, for, uh, I mean, getting up early in East Africa to talk with us about healthcare stuff. Um, we got, uh, we probably got a break next week, and then we got, we got some more. We, the other thing that we wanted to talk about when it comes to uh, good news changes in the world had to do with um, sex trafficking, and uh, I think we're going to be able to hit that on the first show in December. Uh, first of November, excuse me. Yeah. And so that'll be exciting, and we'll, we'll keep making progress on how good news changes the world. Hey, maybe this is something that you want to get involved in. Um, maybe I'll post a link to, to his article, and you can check it out. Um, Probably along with the name of that book that he recommended by yeah. uh, Hale. Daniel Hale. Yeah, I yeah. think it's in the article, so okay. um, we can check that out. But I, there's there's churches that do free clinics and stuff. Maybe that's just something we can expand on and see what we got going on. I, I feel like neighborhoods could benefit from people who have a half a brain on something. You know, have been been taught a little bits of things, and I don't know. Maybe it helps the process. Maybe it doesn't. But you can only control helping people is always good. So it seems like a good place to start. Anyway, um, in the meantime, be faithful in the means. Uh, God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path. <laughs>